I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Groves. We are back on a, another Monday with yet another very special guest. I love speaking with serial entrepreneurs, especially those that are female. I followed her story for about two and a half years now. I just was catching up on our podcast. So I'm super excited to have Whitney Eckes, the CEO of Eckes Marketing and Get Super, a coffee brand, which is right up my alley. I'm a huge coffee girl. So Whitney, say hello to the audience. Hi guys. Thank you so much for having me on. What a pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be such a fun episode and just reading your story and listening to your podcast episodes, you can tell the passion in your voice when you talk about certain things and the emotion that goes into your business, which are two foundational things that I think every entrepreneur has. I want you to take the audience back. You started your entrepreneurial journey at 22, which is very young for mm-hmm. most people. I can only imagine launching that or launching this podcast and going into that journey three years ago. So were you the child that always wanted to be an entrepreneur or what sparked that launch of Eckes March marketing at 22? Yeah. So I don't know if I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Start with my great grandfather and then my grandfather, then my dad, then me. Um, and so I definitely grew up in that world of seeing, you know, people being self-employed and my dad was a single parent. So he really had to balance a lot of basically different pots and things like that to make sure that he was kind of providing the life that, you know, was acceptable for me and him. So I think as a kid, I was always really creative and I think it was instilled into me that, the world was really kind of mine for the taking. Um, And I feel like the way my dad raised me was very much so about going after what you want in life and working hard for it. Um, And even that being said, there there were also other parts of my family that also had small businesses and things like that. So it was kind of in and around me always. And it very, it very much so felt like second nature to kind of launch my own thing. Um, but getting there was a really unique, really unique journey. Like I, you know, went to college and I worked with Red Bull and then I left college and didn't know what I was going to do with my degree. I like took a year off and like traveled and like worked as like a hostess at a cocktail bar. Like it wasn't this like smooth path that led me to Eckes Marketing. It was really kind of me finding within myself what kind of lit me up and what really set me on fire as an entrepreneur and then building it from there. And even more so now, I think as a serial entrepreneur, I've fallen in love with the building process more so than 
you know, am I doing what I love to be doing or what is it? What is it? Like, I love the business behind it. I love being able to build things. I love being able to see the vision and bringing forth these ideas that kind of bring this business to life. And for me, that's what really sets me on fire. It's not so much the day to day. It's really the ability to step into kind of a visionary position and being like, I see so much potential and like, I can creatively design this whole business, like in my head. So for me, that's kind of what led to Echo's Marketing at 22. You hit on a key point when you, before you launched Echo's Marketing, and obviously all marketing backgrounds have a creative nature to them. I'm always very envious of that. I was not God-given that talent. How and what did you do to figure out what you were most passionate about? Because I think that's where 90% of the population gets stuck is, I don't know what I'm passionate about and I don't know where to start. So are there tactical things that you did to lead you in that direction when you were a cocktail waitress and when you kind of had that low time? Because I think in times of pause is when that idea sparks. Yeah. Um, Okay. So social media, I always like to set kind of the timeline of where social media was, right? Because that's a big part of my, like my story and my journey. So when I was in college, I started working with Red Bull. Facebook was like the it platform. Instagram was like having the rise. It wasn't purchased by Meta or Facebook yet. It was kind of that like really cool, like hipster, like photography app. And when I had graduated college, I had a love for this platform. I started kind of developing a small following and I love taking photos and I loved following all these crazy photographers and creators on the platform. So when I went into this host hostessing job, I was like bugging them every day. I'm like, let me take a photo of your cocktail. Like, why aren't we like posting more photos of these cocktails on, you know, Instagram or like, why aren't the bartenders doing like a cool, like, um, I don't even know if stories were around back then. Why are they doing cool videos and things like that of showing them how to make the cocktails? And I honestly thought for a little bit, I was like, maybe I want to be a craft cocktail bartender. Like maybe that's what I want to do. And so for me, it was kind of this, I love the photo taking aspect. I love the content creation aspect. And I thought it was so cool that, you know, there was like a job where brand, you know, where people were helping brands on like social media, Um, and so from there, that's actually when I got into hospitality and I started managing 15 properties within the social media and digital advertising or digital marketing space. And I was like telling these Hilton properties and Marriott properties. I'm like, you got to go on like Instagram. And they're like, you're crazy. Like, no, like we're corporate. Like we're not like, why would we even touch social media? And so that for me was like, I started seeing, you know, I kind of started following something that was interest that was interesting to me. And it kind of eventually led to me, you know, going off on my own, creating more content for clients, going from freelancing to turning to full agency, to hiring people, to expanding into different verticals, like influencers, event, branding, you know, um, content mapping and strategy and things of that nature. So it was, it was kind of like a breadcrumb trail that like eventually led me to the agency. And I never really intended to be like an agency owner. Like I thought PR was really cool. I thought social was really cool. I thought, you know, digital advertising really overwhelmed me. Like I didn't really know anything or have any interest in like the ad space, but what always kind of kept me back or kept me coming back was this creative freedom and to be able to build and to be able to work with these different brands. And then, you know, as these things start 
getting into it, I really started falling in love with the business development side and being able to expand, you know, business in different ways and be able to scale it. So yeah, it was not a seamless process. It was not a straight line journey. It was a lot of figuring it out. And, you know, again, at 22, like I was like still in like, you know, that 21 year old party stage and like going to the bars. Like I really was just kind of trying to like make my own out of my life. And I was still figuring it out. And I honestly feel like I I love the way that it, that I did start it so young because I had, I was so naive that I just jumped in head first. And it was kind of that naivete that almost led me to my business in a really easy way, because I didn't really know what fear was. Like, I didn't really know, like, what responsibility was or what I was doing or the risk I was really taking. It was more so I jumped in because that's what interests me. And I was like, you know, eventually I was like, I don't want to work for these corporate blue collar guys. Like I'm, I mean, not blue collar, white collar guys. Like I, I want to do something on my own. And I had come from this Red Bull background and I was like, I'm ready to work with brands that are like, excite me. Yeah. It's a very common entrepreneurial type thing. And it's funny, I was just talking with my mentor earlier and he was like, ignorance is bliss. Cause I was telling him, I feel like the more you know about things, it's their knowledge is power, but I also think it's a detriment. And I was speaking along the lines of like self-awareness because I feel like sometimes the more you learn, you're like, if I didn't know that I would have just gone for it. Like I would have just said, yes, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Was there a certain point working with these huge brands that you were like, Hey, now it's time for me to launch my own business because I know there's value in what I'm providing. And Mm -hmm. the business obviously sees that as well. Yeah. Um, there was actually a very like defining moment. (laughs) I was actually like really pissed off about it. I was working in this, um, this hospitality group and I was kind of like this workhorse and I was bringing in, you know, these sales I was working, we were just starting to approach like influencers, which back then they were called like opinion leaders and bloggers. Like, and we were starting to do all these really cool things. And really what it came down to was just the acknowledgement of my work and the acknowledgement of what I was doing. And there was a lot with the corporate side of things that were a little bit tricky um, in the sense that, you know, the hospitality industry is just a very much own its own industry. And again, I had come from Red Bull. I'd come from two completely polar opposites of corporations. And with Red Bull, I was always championed to be as creative and to be as out of the box as possible with more of this really awesome traditional, you know, long-standing hospitality corporation was very much different. So within this job, I just kind of started, you know, kind of getting to the point where I was like, you know, I'm not really being acknowledged. There's really not too much to expand my creativity here. I feel like I'm going to start hitting a ceiling that I'm, you know, already starting, like I can already see it. And so at that point I was like, let's just go do this on my own and let's go find some really sick brands to work with and create, you know, this business that I want. And so it kind of took off from there. What did working with huge companies like Marriott and Red Bull, SoulCycle and Kendra Scott teach you about the business world and maybe advice that you kind of saw them do that you could give the audience? Yeah. Um, biggest piece of advice when you're working with 
major players is number one, the people within those businesses like doing business with people they like. Like that's, that's the no brainer. Like we all talk about connections. We all talk about networking. We all talk about shake as many hands as you can. And I think the reality of it is when you start looking at these bigger names and you start looking at the people within it, it's all relationship based. So one of the biggest takeaways I've learned from that is that some of the best business you can ever have is with, with people that you actually enjoy being around and they enjoy being around you. And I feel like that has been the biggest learning lesson within my career, but also something that continues to propel me forward is by truly finding people that I admire or that I want to spend time with or that I connect with and doing business with them. And if someone's energy is not in alignment or someone, you know, I'm just not seeing eye to eye right out of the gate, usually most of the time, it's not a fit for me to do business with them, whether it's a client or like a team member or like a strategic partner or anything along those lines. Like you kind of find your people and you kind of continue to see growth come from there. And so, you know, Kendra Scott, SoulCycle, those were both really, really awesome events that happened really young in my career. And even Hilton and Marriott, one of the nice things too, is like when I had left that um, hospitality group, they actually, I kind of brought them over to this new freelancing side because they wanted me to continue doing what I was doing. So there's a lot to say about kind of being yourself and intuitively building these relationships with people that work within these brands and, you know, keeping up with them, have, you know, actually being yourself and, you know, just kind of keeping those relationship ties. And I think that, again, that's going to, what's going to propel you forward. I love that response. And Spider's going to start laughing at me because I always say I love that. But that's why I think influencers have done so well. And I've had countless people that they don't do anything, whatever. Keep your opinion to yourself on that one. It's because you work with people that you trust. You buy. You're laughing at me. (laughs) I'm a character. Um, But it's for real. Like you really, you buy from people that you like and you buy from people that you trust. And I think in business, I've seen countless people make decisions that go against that and they're always end up at the bottom. And that's the biggest piece of advice that my dad always gave me. He's like, no matter what it is, do the right thing. Even if you think it might not lead to sales, win the relationship before you win the sale. Wow. How has that. that mentality helped you scale your business and then lead you into the acquisition or you becoming the owner of Get Super? Obviously you've done really well for yourself. Thanks. Well, okay. First going back to like learn, like earning the sale. I think that you hit the nail on the head is, and I, and I think that has to do with trust, right? Mm-hmm. You build a relationship before you build a sale, you're earning trust. So even if that person, it's a no at first, they're always going to think about, you know, again, I'm, I'm service-based. I'm talking from a service-based standpoint here, but they're always going to think about that service and come back to you from a trustworthy opinion. So again, building that, having that trust with whoever it is, whether it's a network contact or a client or anyone like that, you've already done the hard part. They trust you. They're connected to you, you know, and they most of the time will usually come back, especially because I think that's a lot of things that are missed in the service industry, especially in creative marketing agencies is that there's so much turnover. It's so hard to scale a service and it's so hard to make a profit off a service, especially when it is in the creative industry that a lot of times we see these agencies that 
they have to make sales goals. They have to make sales quotas. And then all of a sudden their clients become a number. And that's like the one thing in our, within our agency that we try to do very differently is we always try to have these relationships with our clients. We always try to show up in our most transparent um, you know, selves and really try to help them with whatever their goals are. And if we can't help them with their goals, we'll be the first to tell them that it's just not a fit or we're not going to be able to achieve that. Now that moving into get super, um, honestly get super was, is just something that was more or less part of my own like journey and my own story. And if anything, I really kind of, I started networking and creating the right types of partnerships in and around get super through just again, this journey. Um, I was diagnosed in 2020 with severe anxiety disorder and depression. And it's actually something that, you know, is, is pretty prevalent in our family. And I felt like, you know, my hands were kind of tied behind my back. I felt like, you know, this diagnosis was like going to be the end of me. And it was really hard for me because I feel like I do have a lot of ambition and I feel like I do have a lot of goals that this diagnosis was kind of like just terrifying. So, you know, I started kind of experimenting with hemp and with cannabis and started really leaning into what was causing me, you know, these feelings and how can I process these feelings and what mindsets were I, you know, was I currently walking through that I could change and I took this from a holistic standpoint because there had been, you know, history of addiction in my family and I chose not to go with antidepressants and, um, which I have nothing against. That was just my own personal journey. And from there, I kind of brought it back to my team and I was like, you know, I just kind of bought this company, which I can tell the story of, you know, the acquisition in a second, but I had, I had brought it to them and I was like, you know, this is what's helping me. And this is really what's helping my journey. And I want you guys to rebrand it and launch it. And I want this to be literally a product of our agency and be something that we're all really proud to have built and done together. What is one thing that that stage of I was someone too that when I was in high school got diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And it's funny because when you look at the two of us on the outside, you see happy, mm-hmm. smiley, blonde hair, energetic, passionate. Yeah. And I've gotten to know so many entrepreneurs and super successful people that deal with that on the inside. And I think half of it is just in our DNA being super go-getters. I kind of have the personality that it's never enough. Like I can always be doing more, which I know again, leads to burnout. You've touched on that. What's one thing that you learned about yourself personally and professionally from Ekis marketing and starting that and launching that and then kind of leading up to when you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression? Was there something that tipped that off? Or if there's someone listening to this, that's maybe going through that same period in their life, I want you to elaborate and give them some advice. Yeah. Um, I think my, my biggest realization through that time was just my ability to avoid, avoid a lot of processing, avoid a lot of understanding why I thought the way I thought, whether, you know, it was the thoughts about myself or thoughts about my business or thoughts about, you know, am I doing enough? Am I a good enough person? These kind of things. I I had avoided a lot. 
And it's kind of funny because that avoidance was filled with a lot of this busyness and creativity through work. And it was really kind of trying to fill like the whole of the avoidance and just kind of mask it and move on. So in 2020, the agency had lost about 75% of its business. And I was hanging on to one team member with my, you know, dear life and trying to get through it and trying to sign clients and trying to just grin and bear it without losing everything that I had. And that definitely triggered, you know, a major breakdown. And I had become so burnt out and I had become so tired of just trying to keep this alive. And mind you, this is about, that was like our third year in business was 2020. And so I had completely bootstrapped the agency up into that point. And, you know, when you bootstrap, like it is all me, it's all my money. It's all my savings. It's everything that I had worked hard for and put into So yeah, I felt really defeating and I, it definitely triggered everything inside of me when that started happening, when the diagnosis started happening, you know, that's when my family started to come out about, you know, the, I'm going to say trigger warning here, but about the suicide in our family, about the history of addiction, um, about, you know, the lack of education around mental health and how no one had really talked about it or, you know, there may have been diagnosis from other therapists, but no one really acted upon it. And so all these things really started to click and make sense. And I was kind of like, had this holy shit moment of like, you know, this has actually always been inside of me. This is something that I've probably been dealing with since, you know, I think the earliest time I look back to it is probably college, but these feelings and these thoughts and these things that had really started to develop within my mental health that I was avoiding we're always there. And, you know, I think that business is such a good reflection of who we are and because it calls out our strengths and it calls out our shadows and we're really tested with who we are as in our character. And so when we walk through something in our mental health journey, business is so triggering because it, it pulls so much out of us. So if you are dealing with this and you are working through it, I, you know, I totally encourage you to sit down with yourself and actually, or sit down with a therapist or sit down with a mentor and talk through these feelings, you know, because a lot of times too, again, as these go-getters, as these people that are visionary, they're ambitious, they're wanting, you know, more out of life and they're wanting to, you know, take the world by the horns kind of thing. There is a lot of that back end in the back of your head feeling of not being good enough or not feeling safe enough or not feeling secure enough. And that is, that is the first part. That is the first part of the process is being under, being able to communicate how you're actually feeling and why these feelings are actually able, they're leading to how, what you're doing inside of your work and your job. And so if you are walking through that thousand percent. I encourage you to sit down and explore yourself, but also to find someone that you trust to sit down and explore these feelings with as well. Thank you for sharing that. It's something that I don't know a lot of people talk about because vulnerability, it's 
there's always ego involved. I think there's a lot that people don't talk about because when we see entrepreneurs, and this is why my whole podcast is about the story and the journey, because I think you see what these people have created, but there's so much Mm -hmm. more to them. There's so much more than the hundred million dollars that they sold the business. This, like there's so much more in every conversation that I've had. So thank you for sharing that. And are there tactical things that you did to get from that place that you were in 2020 to where you are today? Because I'm, you're on a zoom, but you seem like you're just doing, and I can feel your energy that you're just in a much happier place. And you never know what someone on the other end of this listening is going through. So be tactical, specific, share all the details. Yeah. So first and foremost, I was diagnosed by a therapist, um, or a licensed doctor and she, you know, immediately asked me to start really looking into my life and looking into these triggers and looking into my lifestyle. Um, from that point, I actually have a girlfriend who is very near and dear to me that was going and walking through a coaching journey that helped her own mental health. Um, she's been diagnosed with bipolar since a very young age. And so she really takes her mental health education and journey just very seriously. And she had recommended this amazing mindset coach. And this mindset coach was someone that kind of walked the line of kind of a therapeutic sense, but also kind of this business coach sense. And a lot of it was a reprogramming our thought systems and actually being able to slow down and process the way we think. And so for me, it was a combination of therapy. It's a combination of a coach. Um, I, again, we were in the pandemic, so I really had to lean into what feels good. You know, is it going outside and taking a walk around my neighborhood? Is it that, you know, I'm not sleeping as much anymore? You know, do I need to eliminate, you know, wine or caffeine or what things are contributing to this over, this overthinking in my brain and this, this fear, this kind of fear-based anxiety that I have, So that's also what led to cannabis was, you know, the inclusion of CBD oil in my coffee every morning, which eventually led to get super, but also too looking at, you know, Hey, alcohol kind of messes with me like, or, Hey, I can't drink three cups of coffee because it triggers a panic attack. Or, you know, if I don't take some time to process really hard news from the agency or process, you know, what's going on inside of business, I'm going to break down and I'm going to have a breakdown. So these tactical things were like, again, I'm, I'm trying to get as specific as possible, but I really had to rewire my entire lifestyle. Um, I had really hard conversations with my boyfriend. We had only been together for maybe like a year and a half. And obviously we were quarantined together. So having, bringing all of this up to him was really a lot of news and he handled it like a champ. He still does, but you know, I had to have conversations with him about, Hey, this is what happens when I have a panic attack or, Hey, this is what happens when I have anxiety or when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm having stress dreams. Like I had to have my partner really be on the same wavelength as me that. And then also being super transparent with my team, which is the hardest thing ever as a leader, because we feel so weak and so, you know, disempowered in what we're doing, but being honest with them, being like, you know what guys, like, I totally believe in you today, but I have to 
to step away or I have to cancel this meeting or I have to take some time off and, you know, or take a mental health day. And again, as entrepreneurs, sometimes we are, give ourselves so much shame and we feel so much shame doing this, but honestly, I made more money in 2021 that I had made ever in my agency. And it was because not only did I rewire myself and my routine, but I showed up as such a stronger leader. And I was able to share that transparency. And I was able to also be more authentic with my clients and with our services, knowing, full on knowing what my weakness was. My weakness was my mental health. However, it also is one of the biggest things that empowers me and is also one of my greatest strengths. So through that, yeah, it sucks. No one wants to talk about mental health. No one wants to feel weak or like there's something wrong with them. But at the end of the day, if we choose to embrace it, we choose to show up as our best selves and as the most strong person we can be. And I think too, that we're starting to get there with the stereotype of mental health, but those were, those were some of my tactical, <laughs> tactical approaches and man, it wasn't easy. And it definitely took, you know, even today, it still takes a lot of practice. It still takes me having to slow down and tell myself like, Hey, you're, you're moving way too fast and you're going to burn out again. Or, Hey, like you haven't taken any time to process anything and you're just, you're just going through the the hoops right now. You got to stop. And it's hard. It's, I try to always come up with a good analogy, but it's like telling the energizer bunny to not have energy. It just, it's just not, it's just, it's counterproductive. My favorite thing that anyone ever tells me is, Erin, why don't you just chill out? I'm sorry. It's not in my DNA. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Even if I tried, you touched it's on like leadership. It's like, I've never been calm. Like I've never been, I've never been able to calm down. Or did you go for a run today? It's like, yeah, I already ran four miles. What, what's your problem? Like, I just, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I've been this way my whole life. And I do think it works to our advantage in the business and the job titles that we have because we're passionate, we're energetic, and you kind of just touch on it, but how has your leadership changed since you launched Ekis Marketing to where you are today? And what advice would you give for people who are trying to get better at leadership or who want to go out and become a CEO one day? Yeah. Um, I think I, in the very beginning, I always thought I had to have everything figured out. And I felt so much pressure to feel like I was the leader of this company. You know, I'm paying people, which means like I'm responsible for them. And, you know, I can never make a mistake. I can never mess up. Like I, I have to be this 100% perfect human 24 seven, which is so not the case. As as a leader, like I think the biggest thing is always calling out my weaknesses, and it's always calling out my weaknesses to my team. Hey, I suck at doing this. That's why I'm hiring you. <laughs> like I am not good at this part of the business. That's why I have you because you're so damn good at this, and you're gonna make this business so much stronger. That transparency keeps my team trusting me, and they know. Like they'll even come to the point of being like, "Hey, Winnie." I'm just going to go ahead and handle this. Like, I know this is not something you enjoy or like what you do. 
that also too, like the more I can be honest and the more I can show up as someone that's relatable to my team and a real human being, my team, again, they, they can, they can trust me. They can talk to me. They can have this air of comfortability knowing that I, you know, I make mistakes. I fuck up all the time. It happens 24 seven. I literally tell my girls, I'm like, unless it's an absolute must, like don't include me on client calls anymore. Like you guys have better relationships with our clients than I do. And I'll probably end up putting my foot in my mouth. Like it's cool. (laughs) It's just one of those things where as a leader, my job is not to be perfect. My job is to do my job. My job is to scale and grow the agency so that I can provide for our clients a really incredible service that brings them value and money, but also too to provide for my team members so they can make this, this job, their career and their home. That's my job. And if I, you know, just like what these team members or anyone else in your business, or if you're even self-employed, like what is your job description? What is your role and knowing it? And then also again, being, just be honest, be transparent. If you make a mistake, it's better to call out that mistake or apologize or, you know, be honest and have an honest conversation with your team members as the leader, because again, there's, you're going to make mistakes and it's, it's what's going to happen and learning how to move through that, but also have a great transparent and honest relationship with your team is the most important. Authenticity, something that every person will give you advice on. And yet it's still something that I think a lot of people struggle with and no matter, and this is something that I've learned about myself as well. I'm very similar to you, very much of a go-getter. I want to be right in some situations and I'm starting to lean into a gray area and recognizing that I'm not always going to have the answer. I don't always know what's next, but I'm going to do everything I can and be there to support you in whatever direction that you need to go. And I like how you touched on coaching because that's actually what I do. I I actually sell that right now. (laughs) So I know that empathy and all that type of stuff with founders and leadership is huge. With Ekis Marketing Now and Get Super, how do you balance the two of those? Are they feeding your creativity in separate ways? Yeah. um, (laughs) They're both very different, but I think the nice thing is I can I, I'm able to balance it through my team. So a lot of my, obviously a lot of my team works on the marketing side. They help out with growing the business. Um, the, you know, having a product-based business is so fun and it really lights me up because it's very different in just, it's a completely different animal than the agency. The agency lights me up because of the team and the clients that we have. It's really the people within the agency that make me so excited. Um, Get super. It's more giving people an experience with the product and seeing how it can help their lives or, you know, make them feel a little better throughout the day or, you know, giving them a fun coffee experience. So they both light me up in different ways, but they, you know, they're both kind of from me. And so they're interchangeably worked on throughout my days and the goals come up and we achieve them in their own timelines and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a dance and I love it. (laughs) What's one of the biggest challenges that you've had since acquiring Get Super and rebranding 
the entire product line and scaling it? Yeah. Um, just being in a new industry, the CBD industry is so, so, so up in the air. Um, you know, just with different legislation and regulations and compliance for us, it's very different. However, it also comes with this challenges of really how much do I want to expand with it? Right. You know, we see a lot of products now where they go and they raise and then they sell out in five years and X, Y, and Z. And I think for Get Super, it's kind of challenging being a little bit on the driver end, drivers are in the driver's seat of being able to say, I can do whatever I want with this company. And how big do I really want to go? You know, or what is my schedule allowing for me? You know, how much can I really give my time into this? So that balance has been interesting, but it's also been so fun for me to explore and get, you know, and learn and be educated on. And I think too, again, if Get Super wasn't so much a part of my story, it'd be a very different conversation, but because it's helping people, it's helped me, it's, it's a mission-based product it's just lights me up when, you know, someone gets to try it. And so I take it super day by day in the sense of, I know where we're going and I know where we will go, but I'm also really allowing this company to grow and expand at a, you know, at a, at a very qualitative rate. Whereas before I think with Acus, when I started it, I was so set on these goals. I was so set on growth. I was so rigid about what we were doing that it almost kind of took this experience of launching a business and growing a business away from me because I was so on the gun of like, I need to be doing more. I need to be growing more. I'm not as big as these other guys out here. And it's because I'm a failure. I'm not a good enough boss or I'm not getting the sexy clients, you know? So I think with Get Super, you know, I really looked at the first experience with Agus Marketing and I'm now looking at Get Super as this chance to kind of just sink my heels in and get grounded and feel into whatever aligns right. Grounded aligns. I'm loving all of it. The yoga teacher in me is <laughs> lighting up. This is all right all up my, my alley. Words. Yeah, I'm I, I'm huge into that. And meditation, it's completely transformed my life. And it's something that I can't talk enough about. I think when you're truly tuning into who you are and what lights you up, the, wo- the world is your oyster. And you always hear people and you see people on social media that's like, the sky is the limit. You don't really know how much potential you can tap into. And I think it's super inspiring to know that when you really go in and you do the hard work on the inside, everything else externally is going to shake out in your direction. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned on one of your podcast episodes, and this is something that I noticed in myself, how did you shift your scarcity mindset. It seems like at the beginning of Ekis Marketing, you're kind of on that reactive, I have to do this, I'm goal-oriented. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that in myself and it's very much of scarcity. You think things are gonna run out. Touch a little bit on how you talk to yourself out of that mindset or if there are anything specific that you've done to tune into abundance. Yeah, so I have a story about tuning into abundance. And it's going to get a little woo woo, but it'll be great. We love woo woo. So, <laughs> <laughs> so first and foremost, um, 
I, I remember there was this revenue number that I could not hit and it had been like two years. And I was like, what is going on? Why can't I hit this number? Like, and I really started to feel like I was like a failure and like scarcity mindset. And like, I would never have enough money or like, we'd never be able to scale more. And really what I had to do there. And I had to kind of reverse engineer what was happening. And so I took a really deep look into my agency, into my services and started looking at what wasn't working. And honestly, it's going to sound like kind of counterintuitive, but I had to be spending more money in order to hit that revenue goal. And so I did and I hit it. Um, And same thing, you know, I had to kind of look back through the scarcity mindset and realize what am I holding on to? so tightly that is preventing me from this, you know, sense of abundance. And that was also something too. I was hanging on to clients that were not a fit and undervaluing our services. And it was a time suck and it was preventing us from reaching out to new clients or new clients coming in the door. And even though I was letting go of that money, it made a whole new opportunity for new money and a lot more money to come in. So I think sometimes when we think about scarcity mindset, we don't always we don't always look at what it what like look at down on paper what is actually happening and actually evaluate what is creating the scarcity mindset because it's usually you know in the weeds it's in there and we get inside of our heads about it because we're like why is this why, it's me why isn't this working what's happening like i'm the problem and yeah sometimes we are the problem we overthink everything but you know really getting clear on okay what is what is not working here and why is this causing me to feel scarce and you know is it me just being patient and trusting in what I know is true and trusting that, you know, if I do invest in this team member or in this service or in coaching, that it's going to come back twofold and I just need to have faith or is it scarcity mindset because I'm scared and there's a lot of fear and, you know, I'm not honoring my own boundaries or I'm not honoring my own self because I'm scared. So I think, I think that we kind of miss that when we think about scarcity mindsets that we can really kind of lean into and figure it out. Now, tuning into abundance, I'm going to tell you this story and it's a little woo-woo. So I have a really good friend and she's an incredible, incredible healer. And, um, I went to her for some energy healing and, um, I, she's like, you know, she's like, I just see this, like, She's like, I just, I just see you holding on to your agency and it's just so heavy. And so we started talking about it and we talked through my burnout. We talked through all these different things I was going through. And she's like, I, she's like, you know, she's like, I, this is going to sound crazy. She's like, but I want you to like sit down or meditate and have a conversation with your agency as if it's a person. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fucking crazy. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, like what? <laughs> the answer is and, no. Thanks for your feedback. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, seriously. She's like, she's like, I'm like kind of feeling into you and you kind of feel like this is like your ball and chain. And she's like, which is wild. She's like, because this thing has so much potential to be this incredible business, but like you have like some resentment for it. And this is in 2021. So this is after 
three years of just grinding this thing. And I'm like, yeah, I have a lot of resentment. I'm like, dude, I've put my life and soul into this agency and, you know, 2020 almost wiped us out. We're just recovering. Like, you know, this is actually really funny too. I was like, I barely just hit this new revenue, revenue goal. And it took me so long. And I was like, yeah, like I, I'm a little like, yeah, I'm a little like over it. And she's like, yeah, she's like, that's it. She's like, this is why you're having so much trouble up leveling. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, this is getting like too woo woo, whatever. So I, I like kind of don't do it for a little bit. I'm meditating one day and I'm like really emotional and there's like a lot going on in the business. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just do this. So I meditate and I end up writing a letter like to my agency and I like pour my heart out and like break down and have like a full release. And I read back through the letter and it was one of the most eye-opening things I could have ever done because it showed me how much I was not giving to my agency, if that makes sense. And how much I wasn't, I kind of had this like one foot in one foot out energy. And I think my team felt that. I think my clients felt that. And I think that myself, I just didn't fully really believe this could be this big, beautiful agency I'd always wanted it to be. And that was super eye-opening because that was all literally just coming from my own personal thoughts and feelings of the business. And it yet it was rippled and reflected throughout the entire business. And so that was something where when I tuned into that, And I started allowing myself to say, okay, you know what? You had these feelings. Now let's move forward. Can we move forward? Can you be excited about this agency? You know, do you still want this? Do you still want to make it everything that you've dreamed of making it? And of course I was like, yes, like I can, like we can get through this. We've been through some hard shit and we've been through a lot more that you know, maybe some other starting business owners have, haven't been through, or maybe more business owners have been through worse. But all that to say was that I had to kind of come back to my why. And I had to kind of come back to that original dream that I had for it and align with it. And when I started doing that and I started getting excited and I shifted that, that energy about the way I talked about it or who I was talking to about it or the clients that I was excited to sign with versus just clients that I was taking because it was more money in, it changed everything. And so, yes, the woo-woo side of it, the writing, the having the conversation, writing the letter is a little weird. But if you look at the kind of psychology behind it, my mindset for my agency was not excited. It was not in love with what I was doing. And so I had to get clear on why I was, why was I feeling that way? Or why was the, you know, why was I not honoring and being excited about what I was doing? And so that led me to like a whole other breakthrough that opened me up to being in this abundant mindset and being like, shit, I can, I can take on the world too here. Like we can go after the moon with the agency now too. And like, I believe it, we got this and like, we made it through so much, like, let's get to it. So that was, that was that long winded answer to your question, but that's, that's everything. Thank you for sharing that. I think some people call it woo woo, but it works. And when you go internal 
and you ask yourself and you do the reflection, there has never, ever been a time in my life where I've sat down in a meditation or journal or did something and I didn't figure out the answer that I wanted. It's like when you ask the universe for a sign or you know in your gut, it's just, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to show up? Are you willing to confront the hard stuff or confront your fears? How did you switch your mindset? What, how did you go from one foot out to one foot in? Because I think there's someone listening to this podcast right now that's in that exact same position and they might be leaning out. I think it's time for me to quit. Maybe this isn't for me. What would you tell that person on if this is truly what you want and this is where your heart is, lean into it? Um, number one, I would say for, I mean, I, 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 there was a point where I wanted out of the agency. There was a point where I was like, you know what? I did my time. I grew this thing as much as I could. I'm tired and I want to be done. Um, I had to sit with that idea of letting it go and of not tapping into the potential that was there. and when I had this experience and I had this breakthrough, one of the things was, you know, do I want to continue with this or do I want to close this chapter? And there's nothing wrong with closing a chapter. There's nothing wrong with exiting a business ever. There's nothing wrong with failing a business either. But for me, I wasn't, it wasn't done yet. I wasn't done yet. I wasn't done with the agency. and. I wasn't done having my team and that want that. Why, why am I doing this? Why do I want to keep doing this for me was enough to keep going. So when I think we look at our businesses, I think it is asking ourselves, why are we doing this? And do I want to keep doing this? And is it lighting me up? Is it providing me income? Is it what I'm passionate about? One of those things is going to keep me going. And if you have those answers and it's still not aligned and it still doesn't feel good in your bones, then it's, then it's time for the next chapter. It's time for the next journey. I haven't been there, but I can only imagine for me, the passion that has gone into this podcast and I can tell the passion in your voice. I think a lot of times it's an ego thing when you're saying goodbye to a chapter, but I do in life, there's always challenges. There's hills and there's valleys. And I think it's easy to be in a valley and say, eh, it's easier if I just get out rather than really going yeah. deep and saying like, hey, this is really where I want to be. I'm the one that's in my own way. Yeah, absolutely. 1000%. Looking back on the last six-ish years of your entrepreneurial journey in five different business ventures, are there two to three things that you would tell your younger self, someone that's listening to this, male or female, that's ready to embark on an entrepreneurial journey, whether that's failures that you've had that you're like, hey, maybe don't do this, or just advice that you would give for them as they take the leap? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I laugh because I feel like the standard entrepreneur answer is to go for it and to do it and don't give up. 
Don't be standard. Um, I know. I know. I do believe in those things. I do believe that if you're going to jump, you got to jump head first. Like you cannot leave anything on the table. Like you got to go for it. Um, I think that as an entrepreneur though, you know, I always say, do your research, you know, look into what you're doing, look into where you're going and know what you're doing, you know, what you're, know you're, what you're about to embark upon. But again, as I, as I really kind of like continue to build all these different businesses this year, I think the other thing too, is to find people that truly inspire you and surround yourself with them. Um, whether it's a mentor or friends, um, I think right now, some of my, some of my closest, most trusted friends are other agency owners. They are people that are very familiar with business and, or have, you know, and, or entrepreneurs. And so for me, having those friends to chat about on a day-to-day basis is, is it for me? It makes total sense. And it helps me day in and day out because I can relate to them and they can relate to me and they can relate through, you know, what I'm going through or what my day-to-day looks like. So, you know, as a young entrepreneur, get clear, find other entrepreneurs and find people that inspire you and that, you know, you want to surround yourself with. And here's the other thing too, never be the smartest person in a room. Don't ever walk into a room where, you know, you're the smartest person. Because if you are, you're in the wrong room. And that for me, I used to laugh when people would say that because I was like, what a snarky ass remark to tell someone. But now I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, I totally get it. And I love being the dumbest blonde chick in the room because I know that I'm going to take away so much value from anyone in in that same room. Listen more than you talk. That's one of the best pieces of advice coming from a talker. Obviously, I have a podcast, but even if I think (laughs) I'm the smartest one in the room, even if you're learning nothing value wise, you're learning what not to do. That's my biggest thing. I'm always like, if someone, you don't want to be the biggest idiot in the room. So I totally, I love that. That's good advice. And I have two final questions for you. I want to be respectful of your time. The first one is, is what is next for Whitney? Where do you see yourself in the near future? Are you acquiring more businesses? And then pimp yourself out while you're at it. I'll combine two questions in one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, what is next for me? Actually, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna probably let everyone's hopes down. I'm actually slowing down. I am taking this rest of the year to just reinvest my own time back into what I'm doing and to really kind of build and solidify our foundation. We've had so much growth since 2021 and we've had so much growth this year alone that I really want to take time to bask in it and to make sure that, you know, we can continue to scale and grow in a really nice way. But um, outside of any new businesses there, there may be one that I might start promoting. Um, I love investing in businesses. I love investing in startups and this one is pretty fun and wild. So you might see my name associated with it, but outside of that, that's what I'm doing. And you can follow me along and follow my personal journey at Whitney Eckes. And then you guys can follow the agency at Eckes Marketing 
And then you can check out the newest baby at Get Super and super spelled S-U-P-R. All right. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. I'll put all of her information, the website where you can find her. And then the final (laughs) question that I ask every single guest is, Whitney, what are you grateful for today? Yeah, I am grateful for, I am grateful for all the people that surround me. And I know I've, I kept talking about relationships this podcast, but I am grateful for my family, for my partner, for my team, our clients, and those that believe in us, those that cheer us on and those that are just closest to us when we need them most. Fabulous. The relationships. And it's funny that you said that because I just had a conversation with my mentor about finding like-minded people. It's something I'm struggling with. So I am grateful for rest. I feel like I've done a lot of traveling lately and the introvert in me needs some R&R. So I am grateful for that. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. You thank are you so amazing. Much for me. This is amazing. <laughs> thank you.